Hello, everyone, and welcome to TMJ News Network. I'm Zainab Wrights, and today I have here with me my partner, Fatima. Assalamu alaikum. And we are going to be talking to you about um, navigating uh, the narrative wars as journalists in an era of disinformation. Um, and mostly examining how, um, you know, the, the media world is shaping up, especially for journalists and a lot of us who are on social media today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, Fatima, um, when it comes to, you know, our latest report on yeah. Iran that we just published. Just you know, endless nights. Um, there's a lot to talk about when yeah. it comes to this topic. Um, so Especially when we first heard about what was going on in Iran. Um, I remember sending Zainab a message and saying, you know, we need to cover this. And yeah. you decided to wait a little bit until the dust settled. It never really settled, but it was well, a wise to decision. Be, to be very honest, I was, uh, you know, first going to, I, I was not in favor of covering the yeah. Iran topic. Um, and for me, you know, being a U.S. based outlet, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to really cover our own stories mm-hmm. that are happening on the daily that we mm-hmm. have more understanding of. Um, and I felt that that was the path best forward. Uh, but it was you who said, you know, this is what the entire media world is talking about. Yeah. And we saw the influx of posts, um, you know, on social media mm-hmm. and it's, it, it became an issue that we couldn't ignore. No, so that's how, how it really went so down. So we couldn't ignore it because yeah. of the um, essence of the issue. Right, right. Right. It's very difficult to ignore something when media is portraying your religion or your hijab in such a negative way, especially mm-hmm. when you see the burning of the hijab. Right. Um, women standing up and cutting their hair off in, in an effort to... Um, stand in solidarity with um, women being forced to wear hijab, mm-hmm. which is I a mean, narrative that was kind of weaved in, right? you know, from afar. And it wasn't the main narrative of what was really going on. And like you said, you know, it, it not only was our religion being attacked and demonized once again, it's not a big shocker to us as journalists, but we also have some kind of understanding on that region, mm-hmm. um, having family from there and, you know, just being in the know of their sources on ground. So it's, uh, it became a topic and we know all too well, you know, how media and, and the narratives are being spun. Um, so it became this topic that we couldn't ignore. And I feel like we were kind of forced into, of course, into which this is the nature of um media right you are forced into stories sometimes but when there is an and it became this big war. story it became yeah. this big story that took over our you know our feeds and our studio rooms and this is something we knew or mm-hmm. so then, as an editor covering. how did you battle that narrative war yeah oh my gosh i think this is one of the hardest things i've personally ever done um you know, it's like, I feel like, you know, I just got out of grad school, right? Before yeah. starting TMJ. And you, I had these huge thesis papers to write. You know, we had the dissertations. We had, you know, just the constant, you know, the back and forth with professors. But the kind of work that we were thrown into, especially when it came to Iran, mm-hmm. it was, I would have to say, like 20 times more difficult. Yeah. I think um, you did a um, an episode where you covered and... Um, really delved into the Russia-Ukraine 
yeah. crisis that was going on. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards you were like, oh no, I think I made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Is it inevitable to make mistakes yeah. in times like these? Mm-hmm. Turning it around on me. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be <laughs> asking you questions. <laughs> um, no. So the, the Iran topic became a really big issue for me personally, because of the mistakes that I made when covering Ukraine, you know, Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Again, we were forced into a narrative, a narrative mm-hmm. that we had to cover. You know, every mainstream media outlet was talking about Ukraine mm-hmm. and even independent media outlets. Yeah. And then, you know, we did our own research and we came to conclusions that we thought at the time were, you know, the right way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But there was this one line that I said in one of my videos and we had spent hours on that report. Yeah. You know, that, that was a crazy time as well. Um, and, and looking back, we had to, you know, make that video. We had to delete that video yeah. because it's not something that I was proud of because it didn't reflect the truth, no matter mm-hmm. how hard we worked on it. Mm-hmm. And so and that I think leads that, into that, our next uh, yeah. point about disinformation. Yeah. So you could work very hard on something. And then if there is one piece of disinformation, it, we have to do our due diligence. Yep. Regardless of the issue, we have yep. to go back. Recorrect it mm-hmm. publicly, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. which a lot of news media outlets are not doing nowadays. Nope. They're just changing headlines all of a sudden, oh, which yeah. is taking yeah, away yeah. the journalistic integrity. That example, right? well, we just yes. we literally, <laughs> Fatima and I found a gold mine the other day. Um, and you can, you can pull it up right now. So our headline um, that we were uh, trying to do a workshop on was Palestinian girls shot dead on roof of West Bank home. We went back to find the article and we find the exact same article, which was posted the same amount of time six days ago, and it has the same exact content. And now the headline was changed to Israel says likely killed Palestinian girl in error. And they never even, um, you know, they never published an update. They didn't say anything. On they didn't why say the headline, was, headline was updated. Information was added at the beginning. There was a um, sentence that was added to the beginning of the article just to highlight that this was changed. And 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 I I believe that uh, because of the original headline, um, the outlet faced uh, was a, a lot of backlash. Um, yeah, faced a lot of backlash, which made them make the change. But the change wasn't any better. And it wasn't a it wasn't based in journalistic integrity. No. Um, the first thing you learn in journalism school is that you have to be very clear and honest with the people. If you make changes, any types of changes, then we have to tell people that mm-hmm. you made that change. If you mm-hmm. see under any articles, I remember once writing an article um, and we weren't sure of the cause of death of one of the teachers um, in, a, in a high school. She just died suddenly and it was um, either a brain aneurysm or it was a sudden death mm-hmm. that the, the family didn't really tell. Mm-hmm. Now. I, at the time, wrote in brain aneurysm because everyone at the school was saying that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the editor reached out. She's like, did you get confirmation on this? I was like, actually, no. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone was saying. Mm-hmm. And that's a learning curve as a journalist. Right, right. And they have to publish that this was adjusted mm-hmm. because family members did not confirm yes. that this was actually that. You know? Exactly. And that is what you do in media. Mm-hmm. You have that um, and clarity. And, they, and, and people look up to large established outlets mm-hmm. like the BBC thinking that, you know, they're so trustworthy where they're not even abiding by the basic yeah. rules of journalistic integrity, which leads me to my next point that 
you know, the our Russia crisis was like the first thing, the big first big thing. thing that we covered. And, uh, you know, I and we didn't even want to at the time either. No. <laughs> and, and I feel like that really led to me being hesitant mm -hmm. about Iran because it's something out of our purview expertise it's I mean, purview like you're not on you you're know not it's, there. it's the same way we feel when you know people are from other parts of the world they're analyzing what's happening here and they'll leave out key information and i'm like you know you really don't know what it's like here or or you need to be so us in living this in the west um, we have a different world view yeah than someone who is living exactly. anywhere else in the world yeah right you have um, you see the world in a different lens through mm -hmm. different eyes. So when you were reading the news, you were seeing the world or the news or the information coming from this country through your standards of what it means to be right. um, uh, a citizen, mm -hmm. you know, a human, um, what it means to be. And this this can be uh, this can cause some debate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you should be treated the Even same way as a citizen throughout. Of freedoms, right? Exactly. We, what is freedom? Other culture as Americans. Mm -hmm. Our culture is very different from someone from the Middle East. And I, exactly. I know that because I just came back from Africa, mm -hmm. which is where I grew up until I was like eight years old. Yeah. And being immersed in that environment, I could already tell that the way they live there and the way we live there, here are like two worlds apart, mm -hmm. two worlds. What's the main difference? I, I would say it's the whole system, right? Yeah. Our system is a very individualistic, nuclear, mm -hmm. family-based society. There, it's a village. It's a village, communal aspect of looking at things. Um, there's a different culture, the way they see standards, like even the idea of polygamy, mm -hmm. right? A lot of the people over there, are. it's a norm to be in polygamous marriages, mm -hmm. whereas here it's seen as infidelity. Mm -hmm. So it's just basic things like that, where we would see something as like a violation of a basic human right. They, see it, as, they, they see it as a good thing. They see mm -hmm. having being in a monogamous relationship as 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 being um, poor mm -hmm. in society, as being lower class. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I found that to where be... Where you have to marry into maybe someone who's already married in order to live? in order to be in a better position. Oh, interesting. Interesting, right? So this is, uh, imagine these are two different worlds. Yeah, completely different So worlds. how can, and that's going back to, as journalists, you know, this is why we were hesitant in the first place to cover Iran. But I think that because we had consultants and we had a lot of people on ground over there who are sending us, you know, that's how it kind of started. Yeah. They were sending us videos that, you know, TMJ, TMJ published this because we are actually part of the rallies right now in support of our government. We're seeing the people. We in the are streets. in support of hijab um, and mainstream media is completely, you know, not showing that aspect. Mm. And they're they're amplifying the voices of the few mm. um, as the majority. And so we were kind of like forced into this mm. role where we became the only outlet really who is going completely against the mainstream. And this is like a few months. We launched in April, hard launch in April. This is a few months into our career. Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> we're ending the like year on thrown into, we're ending the year on the note of a re Iran report, you right, know, right. a whole report Which that delves a lot deeply into everything that happened, mm -hmm. every aspect of it and how it's looked at through someone 
of the lens of someone who lives here. And I mean, let's you know? be honest, like the Iran report itself, we struggled with that, right? We struggled as, you know, it, it's written by one of our talented writers. Um, shout Sarah out Salimi. to Sarah Salimi. Uh, we're really happy to have on, her on the team. Um, and we had a lot of back and forths because she had, you know, her her family and her perspectives, which are also, you know, noteworthy. And then you have consultants saying other things and telling us to dig deeper and look at other sources. And that brings me to my next point, right? So how do you know, like if you truly look for it, like let's bring up the example of the Farce News poll that um, Sarah had to remove. We had to remove it because when when the consultant questioned the source used for the hijab poll, um, that Farce News conducted show, and the conclusion was that um, the society in Iran is not as religious as it once was post nineteen seventy. And this is a very widely spread poll that um, Western news media outlets were using Are always everywhere, using. and saying that look, women do not want to wear the hijab. Right. Done. And and we and after d- doing a lot of digging, mm-hmm. um, which was very hard, actually, which was a lead by our source in the first place, which is something we would have never found no. ourselves. Which brings me to the point of you know with how valuable consultants really are who live in that area and, and I think who this know is the situation. How you tackle the disinformation right you have a lot of people who who are experts right experts about the issue that you're talking about right i will never be an expert about you know whatever goes on in africa Mm -hmm. i can write a story from outside Mm -hmm. but then what am i really giving the story and and that source turned out to be very shady and we couldn't you know at the end there was a lot of our source the first new source source, what turned out to be shady and and we had to eliminate that from our report because it just we weren't 100% about it and whatever you're not 100% about you can't put it out there um so do you think that we can have uh strategies for dealing with negative repercussions when you do post something i mean we did get a lot of negative oh there's a lot a lot lot of the things we posted there's a lot of different kinds of negative feedbacks right um we're talking about public defamation you're talking about threats yes um and just, you know, we also are human beings who face the idea of social alienation. Mm-hmm. We have families that we worry about yeah. security wise. And like Iran is this topic that has been. We were called the a pro Iranian. Oh, we were called a pro Iranian. While we're trying to fundraise, we can't even get to our 10K, <laughs> our 10K fundraiser. Um, somehow we were deemed Iran funded. Yeah. Just because um, you're standing with um, something that is differing, differing than the, than the mainstream, mainstream view, you know, right, right. You're automatically labeled and, and put we, away. That, and that's why we were hesitant in the first place. I yeah. mean, we know that there is this soft war against Iran, mm-hmm. right? That's been in the works for years. And as Americans, we're in this weird spot. Yeah. And and then put journalism into the mix of that. Of course. Now you're Muslim, you're a hijabi, and now you're, you know shedding light on something that's, you know, a whole, very different on the matter of Iran. So Since these issues arise, there was a shift in the way that information is mm, being given. Mm. Do you do you feel that there is a space, a larger space now for TMJ in this new field or landscape of information? I think that, you know, just not just Iran, but so many other topics, like yeah. we're looking into 
so many topics when we we published a report on BDSM and the Balenciaga campaign. We did we did a, a report, an in-depth investigation. We covered the national news on explicit material in Dearborn schools exactly. that's become now across state issues. It's everywhere now. Um, we have even more so, I feel, after this year, realized that, you know, t how crucial TMJ is for our world today. I, I, I always like, you know, after a hard day of work, I'm like, why was TMJ not founded like 10 years ago? Yeah. Like, you know, this there's this dire need for it's voices like ours. interesting because we went into this with a God-centric lens. And yeah. we, had, we faced a lot of people telling us, no, this is not how you do journalism. Hmm. You know? Right. But... More, the more and more we do it, the more and more you realize that mm. when you take Goddard out of the picture, you can't have a functioning society. No. So that that's that's the main point that I wanted to bring up today, yeah. right? And 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 we kind of have gone back and forth, like we've been through this mm -hmm. from the very beginning together, um, and and we know that you know truth is a very tricky subject. You know, when you say, oh, I'm standing for the truth. Mm -hmm. Society today has made truth a subjective idea rather than an objective, of course. you know, reality. Um, everyone has their own truths in this postmodernist era mm -hmm. and everyone wants to live their own truth yeah. and live your own light. Um, and that makes it challenging. Except when it means it that makes it your challenging. truth does not work with right. their definition of truth. Right. So who is who? whose truth are you championing? And so, you know, when you say, oh, I stand for the truth, you know, even as a media outlet, mm. what are we truly standing for? Whose truth is it? Um, and even evidence, like as sources, we can... We, we've not, we know how to, you know, look at sources, how to teach others to look at sources, verify information, do live discoveries. Mm -hmm. But when it really comes down to it, where is the source of your truth coming from? And I think this is why I think we're even more grounded today than we ever were in this God-centric vision, alhamdulillah. And even Islam, like that is really where our reality and our truth comes from. Mm -hmm. Um it's not something that we make up. And I think we've been very open about that from the beginning. And it, and that goes back to Fatima, like, mm -hmm. you know, what we were talking about when it comes to biases, yeah. right? We started TMJ by realizing and taking that back we have our bias. Inherent bias. Yes. Like we are we Muslims, of course, we're right. going to have a bias because we have that God-centric lens right. and that is our bias. And this is what is missing. And this in is what informs today. our lives. We didn't want to reinvent the wheel no. and what everyone else is doing in societies like separation of church and state, separation of church and state. Well, how can you sideline God when it's his world? Mm -hmm. We have to reflect that reality, yeah. not the other way around. Yeah. Um, so that's really and, and the seeing, grand scheme of seeing the world through a God centric lens. Doesn't mean you're imposing God on everyone. No. It's the values, right. you know, we right. have as Muslims that mm -hmm. we stand up for injustices. We stand up for, it informs um, the kind of stories we're going to cover. And yeah. I will challenge anyone who says that, you know, there are media outlets that are devoid of bias. I mean, every no single media, one of them exactly. is writing from a specific kind of agenda. Our agenda happens to be truth in a God-centric, you know, reality. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that that, that gap mm -hmm. that's being filled through TMJ hasn't really existed anywhere. 
So how has um, your interaction with the Muslim community in North America been as a result of your work? I think it's been phenomenal. I think that we are making, I think journalism has this unique capability mm -hmm. of being able to talk to anyone without judgment. So I think we live in this time, right? Fatima, of yeah. cancel culture, yeah. right? Everyone gets canceled. If, if, you, say something if you say something different or you're yeah. saying something that has somebody else's views or mm -hmm. visions, mm -hmm. or if you even post in support of someone, yeah. it's like, oh, look, like this person is for this. But I feel like journalism lets us get away with not being canceled because we have to talk to everyone yeah. to discern the truth. Exactly. We need to talk to everyone. Um, and I think we did that even we for our, that, yeah. our Dearborn report. We talked to everyone. We were told not to speak to certain people. And we're like, no, we need to we have understand to talk. their perspectives in order to show, you know, or, or really find contrast find, as well. Find the perspectives our truth that are as showing. well. Exactly. Right. One thing we were worried about is the this risk of an echo chamber. Remember yeah. when we first started, we we're like, "Oh no, we're feeding into the echo chamber. We're just same, screaming same, into the abyss." Yeah, the it's the same exact thing. Yeah, they're yeah. saying the same thing. We're saying the same thing. Mm. So, how did we kind of move away from that and shift from the echo chamber? I think we the only way we moved away or are are moving away mm -hmm. is that we realize that that's not something we need to worry about mm. you know we get we get lost and we did kind of in the beginning yeah. we were like oh we were worried about this but you know when you're after the truth the truth speaks for itself mm -hmm. um sure the algorithms are going to be stacked against you you know social media is going to do what it needs to it may shadow ban you um, and obviously we have to be smart and we have to you know get ourselves verified we had to do our due diligence but at the end of the day, the truth is going to shine. Yeah. And people, no matter, I mean, there are people who are not Muslim who love TMJ, who've supported it. You know, there'll be people who'll meet us at coffee shops, waitresses who'll come up and say, you know, great job, um, I'm following you. This is an amazing, and they, it speaks to them. Yeah. You know, the God-centric vision speaks to them as well. Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily have to be Muslim in order to, to, to hear that exactly. and hear us, you know, it's like, that. Um, um, and, and I think that it's a great thing for people who are not Muslim to listen to TMJ news and get that alternative perspective that can challenge the mainstream opinions, you know, that they've been fed for so long. Right. And, and we, in order for us to really break out of the system, it needs to be a grassroots effort. And I think that's what TMJ really stands for. And so the echo chamber is not a problem because if you're strengthening yourself and our communities at a grassroots level, that's fine. You yeah, know, we amplify. need to start locally first. It always. will amplify your voice rather than exactly. just echo. Exactly. Echo back to exactly. You. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Um, so I think we've come to the end of our discussion and yeah. it was a very uh, fruitful conversation. Yes. <laughs> it was packed in a short time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed my show with uh, my partner. I think this is the first time, right? Yeah, first time I've been on this show. <laughs> I think we need to do this more often. Inshallah. I like, I feel like it's very easy to yeah. talk to you. Um, and I'll see you guys next time, inshallah.